New Zealand continues its Big Brother bullshit stuff. If you're in New Zealand and you're on Facebook, do yourself a favor, delete your account. I'll tell you about that coming up. Canada is helping you to kill yourself, whether you want to or not. It's just it's unbelievable. And is there a Nasi Lamak ceiling? That's specifically for my Malaysian audience, but you will be fascinated by this story no matter where you live on the planet. But yes, is there a Nasi Lamak ceiling? Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. I got that. I got more coming up. I'm wearing a hat. Yes, it says believe on it. I love this hat. It's a ball cap. Just says believe. Great words. All right. We got tons coming up. I really, we do. We have so much stuff coming up tonight. We will get to our book, Bambi. We'll continue on. We left it at a real cliffhanger in our last stream. So be sure and uh, be sure and uh, check that out coming up later on. Right now, it is time for our usual update. Miko update. Ning, 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 Miko update, Miko. Go update. There she is. Uh, let's get the picture up here. There we go. Hey, yesterday, uh, it looked like it was going to rain. So we kind of thought, mm, should we take a chance or not? We decided to go and wow, what a night. Uh, Miko was in a bit of a weird mood. She wasn't as friendly with people and other dogs as she normally is. Normally, she can't get enough of other people and other dogs and she's right in the middle of social circles getting things going. Last night, though, I think she was feeling a little bit under the weather. She wasn't so much, but she had a great time, nevertheless, at Dessa Park City. Here's a shot. Look at that shot. What a great picture. If you're listening on the podcast, by the way, just check out uh, <clears throat> the links in our show notes or check out our video on rumble.com, YouTube, Facebook, twitch.tv. But uh, the place was all decorated up for the holidays, and uh, she was having a ball, enjoying herself. This is a bunch of shots of her. Uh, there's yours truly and her uh, hanging out in the, uh, I don't know, what is that? Oh, it's a giant, it looks like a Cinderella carriage, actually. <laughs> uh, we bought her these, they're specifically made for dogs, a little doggy donuts. She couldn't have been less interested. She had no interest in these things at all. I don't know why. We stopped and had dinner. She hung out with us, and she licked a little bit of the icing off of it, but in general, she couldn't really care less. They had this giant arch of lights, thousands and tens of thousands of lights. It was amazing. Uh, there we are, hanging out, striking a pose. And uh, yeah, there is a video for this. Uh, again, the link is on our Facebook page. If you want to check that out, you can check out the video and, and all these shots of uh, the little lady, Miko, as she's walking through. Look at all these doggies. There's a great, uh, is that a French bulldog? I think there's a Frenchie there. Oh, man, it was just absolutely incredibly great night. She had a wonderful time. And uh, yeah, Dessa Park City, you outdid yourself this year. Fantastic job with all the uh, amazing uh, decorations and all. Our Miko updates brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox.com. Our link is BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O. That'll get you a special offer right there in that big yellow box you see on your screen right now. If you sign up for a multi-month subscription, six months, you get Seven, you get an extra month free. Sign up for 12 months, you get 13 months. That'll actually take the cost of your monthly fee and drop it down because you're getting a free month. Um, check it out. It is available in the U.S., U.S. territories, and Canada only at the moment. They don't ship internationally, which is really sad because I know a ton of people waiting. You listening, BarkBox? They are waiting for you to ship internationally. So get your crap together, please. They're a great company and they do a great job. They're just just—they're still working on this international shipping. It's more involved than you can know. What is BarkBox? It is a box delivered straight to your door every month with a couple of fantastic, amazing dog toys 
sized for your dog, by the way. You can specify when you order small, medium, or large. And also a couple of bags of dog treats that are all natural, 100% natural, all good for your dog. And if your dog has any allergies, there's a tick box you can check. They'll make sure you don't get that. You know, you get an allergy to beef or chicken or seafood or whatever. And also you get a dog chew. Extra, uh, extra dog chew is in the box. Each month is themed. Now, right now, of course, there's a great Christmas box. So if you order now, you will get it in time for Christmas. But uh, every month throughout the year, they have these amazing themed boxes of dog treats and toys. And you, and more importantly, your dog will love it. So please do check it out. The link is the top one in our show notes, but it's easy to remember. <clears throat> Barkbox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O, and that will get you our very special offer. Thank you, Barkbox, for uh, helping to sponsor the Miko update. Alrighty, we have so much stuff tonight to talk about, and right off the bat, it's our headline. I'm telling you, as you know, during this COVID thing, that idiot prime minister in New Zealand, who is a f- absolute freak from hell. I'm not kidding. This woman is is insane. I even don't like putting this picture up, but I'm going to. This idiot. New Zealand has admitted it has direct access to Facebook take Facebook's takedown portal. There is a portal in which you can take stuff down, cancel accounts, whatever it is. It will flag content for censorship. Now, as you know, Twitter is going through this right now, where they have come out and shown you all the ways in which they censored and uh, did all the illegal, immoral crap they did, and there's more coming. I expect later today, U.S. time, right now it's at night in Malaysia, but in the U.S. it's in the morning, like 10 o'clock on the East Coast, or 9 o'clock, I guess. Anyway, the same thing is going on in New Zealand, and in New Zealand, they admit it. They've got direct access to Facebook's takedown system. The portal is specifically designed for government agencies to flag content to Facebook for censorship. According to The Intercept, which reported on the portal in October, government partners can also use the portal to report disinformation directly to Facebook. And you just know they do. In a recent response to a New Zealand Official Information Act request, uh, asked whether the government has partner access to Facebook's takedown portal, the New Zealand government confirmed with the, uh, that the Department of Internal Affairs has access. Uh, while this was the only government department that confirmed the access, They also said, we cannot advise if any other government agencies have access to the takedown portal. This is an actual copy of the information uh, response. Uh, And there is, boxed in in red, is the confirmation that they have access to this portal. They didn't detail how much content's been censored via the takedown portal. But other reports on similar types of backdoor content takedown arrangements between governments and big tech have shown the government very regularly uses them to targle what they call legal content, parody accounts, accounts that question the effectiveness of COVID vaccines, uh, so-called election misinformation. Uh, Publicly, the New Zealand government has endorsed the censorship of legal content, with this idiot Prime Minister Jacinta Ardern saying, disinformation should be regulated like guns, bombs, and nuclear weapons. She's such an, oh my God. How? How did she get elected? And how does she stay in office? Do you New Zealanders actually like this idiot? Are you kidding me? You put up with this crap? Apparently, most other governments have not admitted they have access to these portals, but last year the White House admitted 
the U.S. Surgeon General's Office is flagging posts for Facebook to censor. It, and you know the Twitter story. That is actually an ongoing story. I expect more from Matt Taibbi probably later today or tomorrow morning, my time. And uh, it's, it's just going to get worse. Read this whole article. The link is in our show notes if you want to check it out. If you live in New Zealand, I especially encourage you to read the entire article and find out more. <laughs> right along the same lines, the FBI director, speaking of morons who ought to be in prison, the FBI director is pushing for lawful access to encrypted messages. The FBI wants decryption keys to all private messages. You know, your WhatsApp messages right now are end-to-end encrypted. Only you and the person you send the message to can see the message. It's encrypted. You, Nobody else can dig in, intercept, and see what you've written. Well... Good old FBI director and mostly criminal type Christopher Wray last month spoke before the U.S. Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee and among a lot of topics uh, dedicated to threats to the homeland. He addressed that of encryption. His remarks on this carried by the FBI website under the heading Lawful Access Ray opens by saying the agency is a strong advocate of wide and consistent encryption use. The FBI chief moron goes on with platitudes and not particularly sincere ones, considering his statements that followed. Protecting online data and privacy is a top priority. Then why do you want our encryption keys, fool? Encryption without lawful access does have a negative effect on law enforcement's ability to protect the public. Find another way, pal. Here's an idea. A subpoena. Maybe one in which you don't lie to the court to get. Ooh, there's an idea. Anyway... They want to bypass the encryption and have access. All full access to everything you type on your WhatsApp. No more privacy, folks, if they get their way. No more privacy. You already have limited, at best, privacy. And they want to take what little bit you have away from you. I cannot wait until January. When things are going to change. They better change. You newly elected uh, Republicans in the House. We are watching you. I'm watching you, Fokker. That's F-O-C-K-E-R. You know the movie. I'm watching you. Hey, here's a bit of good news. Mm. Where I live could learn a lot from this. Uh, This is fantastic, actually. Iran's Prosecutor General says the morality police will be shut down. Yes. Some Iranian voice uh, skepticism towards uh, Montazeri's remarks say the move isn't enough to meet people's demands. Look, folks, any move in this direction is enough. Little pieces, small bites, take little bites, you'll get there. But this is, uh, yeah, Tehran and Istanbul, Turkey. Iran's Prosecutor General, Mohammad Jafar Mantazeri, said the morality police unit has been scrapped after more than two months of nationwide anti-government protests. They were not in vain. Some Iranians have met the statement with skepticism, saying it remains unclear if the move marks an actual policy change. The morality police have nothing to do with the judiciary. It was shut down by the same place that it had been launched from in the past. Um, The prosecutor 
was reportedly responding to a question on why the morality police was being shut down. There's been no other confirmation that the operation of the morality police patrolling units have been terminated. A journalist based in Tehran says, we've seen this before, where the authorities, candidates make popular remarks to temporarily satisfy people's grievances. So we will keep an eye on this story, but uh, the headline is, uh, is potentially some very good news. They will take this morality police crap and get rid of it. I've often said, if your religion needs a police department to keep you faithful, that's not really faith. Think about it. All right, as if things couldn't possibly be any worse or weird, they are. This link is in our show notes. You are not going to believe this one. A disabled Canadian Army veteran, Paralympian, blasts the Canadian government for offering to euthanize her when she complained about how long it was taking to install a stairlift in her home. I kid you not. Christine Gauthier testified in Canada's Parliament Thursday. A paraplegic veteran sought help getting a wheelchair lift in her home. The government probe found at least four other veterans... Oh, uh, the, the, the staffer at the Veterans Affairs Department, instead of giving her an answer to when she could expect her stairlift installed, offered her assisted suicide as an alternative. At least four other veterans have been offered suicide as an alternative. Now, this has been going on for a while. There have been these ridiculous government-assisted suicide garbage. This is just government murder, folks, is all it is. Euthanasia has been legal for terminally ill patients in Canada since back in 2016. That's different. This is the government saying, you know what, if you're just feeling bad or you know, if you're frustrated because your stair lift is taking too long to get installed, why not just kill yourself? Yeah, I'm not kidding. Read the article. Last year, the law was expanded to include people with long-term disabilities. Now, look, I have a very Japanese, old-school Japanese opinion about suicide. To me... All things considered, if you determine that it is time for your life to end, I think you have an absolute right to end it. I, I truly do. It's how I've always felt my whole life, and I still do. If you feel the point has come where you want to end your life, I believe you absolutely have that right without hurting anyone else physically. Uh, you have an absolute right to end your life when you see fit. But the government stepping in, and because you're maybe a little depressed, you're not feeling well, or things aren't quite going your way, or you're down on your luck, you lost your job, and for the government to step in and say, hey, here's an idea. We'll help you kill yourself, and we'll pay the bills. It's wrong. It's just so wrong. After years of frustrating delays in getting the home lift, Gauthier said her caseworker told her, Madam, if you're really so desperate, we can give you medical assistance in dying now. This is, this is beyond, beyond belief. The article is in our show notes. There is more details there. Read them all. It is it's frightening, it's frustrating, and it's frightening. Here's another, there's another link in our show notes to this article, Canada Euthanizing People, this is what I was talking about, for loneliness and emotional distress. Are you kidding me? 
We were told that euthanasia is compassion. But how compassionate is it when last year in Canada, hundreds of sick people were euthanized because of loneliness? This isn't a dog shelter, folks. These are people. Dog shelter's bad enough. 13.7% of the 5,631 Canadians killed by doctors asked to be lethally injected because of isolation or loneliness. This has to stop. There's another article in our show notes. You can check out the link there. It's, I, I have no words. Seriously, I, it's, it's beyond me. All right, time to change things up a bit. World of Buzz is always good for a change. <laughs> is there a Nasi Lamak ceiling in Malaysia in the music industry? Oh, yeah, there surely is. Now, this is about Malaysia, but no matter where you are on the planet, listen up, because this is fascinating. Yuna, we all know Yuna, it doesn't matter if you're in Malaysia or not, you know Yuna, because she is an absolute superstar. She is, of course, Malaysian, she comes from Malaysia, still returns to the country now and then. Yuna celebrated 70 million music plays in the U.S., and she reveals she was once rejected, no surprise here, by a Malaysian label. Yeah. At 21, to a label executive, I'll only sign with you if you help me push my English songs internationally. The KL Kuala Lumpur, our capital city here, the KL label exec says, no one will listen to your English music. Why would they listen to an English song made by an artist from Malaysia? Well, guess what, KL Music Executive? You couldn't possibly have been more wrong. <laughs> 70 million plays in the U.S. for this Malaysian singing English songs. Undoubtedly, one of the most famous Malaysians, Yuna, continuously makes our country proud here. Music streaming platforms put out yearly stats for the month of December. Uh, Yuna recently celebrated that by putting it on her Twitter and Instagram accounts. Look at that. Wow. This is just Spotify. She managed to garner more than 45 million streams on Spotify and Apple Music. She got... Uh, 70 million streams, and that's just in the U.S. Wow. And uh, again, like I said, here's, here's the, uh, the article that I was reading earlier. No one will listen to your English music. Why would they want to listen to English songs by a Malaysian artist? And this, there's an absolute beautiful woman named Yuna. Uh, and another Instagram story, she added, People say the darndest things to kill your dreams at an early stage. And your job is to ignore them. Yes, good on you. She said, I'm glad I have friends, family, and fans who believed in me, especially those in Malaysia who told me to reach for the sky. I said, but I don't have wings. They said, you'll grow some. <laughs> wow. Uh, again, just another outstanding example of someone not many people have the kind of success that uh, that Yuna has had, but uh, she has had an absolute remarkable amount of success. We have currently other talents here in Malaysia that if you are a label exec from somewhere besides Malaysia with their crap attitude about singing English songs, uh, Jacqueline Victor is, of course, I'm the biggest she's a friend but also Jacqueline is just the absolute most remarkable talent maybe it's because she doesn't want to 
But why this woman does not have an international music career, akin to Yuna, is beyond me. She is a nightingale. Look her up. Check out her YouTube videos. Jacqueline Victor. I'm such a fan. Like I said, she is a friend. We worked together before, but... But uh, I, I am, I'm such a fanboy, Jack. <laughs> uh, and not the only one either. We've had some incredible talents here come and go and uh, should have had an international career. But because of idiot record executives like this one in KL, that Nasi Lamak ceiling, they hit it, and that's it. They give up. Don't give up. Grow some wings. Grow some wings. You can do it. Never, ever, ever give up. All right. I got uh, one more here, and then we're going to move on to our uh, book, I think, tonight. What else have we got? I, uh, what is this? Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. This is from Beat 106. It's a radio station in Scotland, but it's fascinating. Uh, It's just words on a page, so if you're in the podcast, you can check out the link if you want to, but I'm going to read them. In the 1400s, a law was set forth in England that a man was allowed to beat his wife with a stick no thicker than his thumb. Hence, we have the rule of thumb. Weird, huh? Uh, Many years ago in Scotland, a new game was invented. It was ruled gentlemen only. Ladies forbidden. G O L F. The word gulf entered the English language. Each king in a deck of playing cards represents a great king from history. I didn't know this. Spades is King David, hearts is Charlemagne, uh, clubs is Alexander the Great, diamonds is Julius Caesar. Wow. In Shakespeare's time, mattresses, this is cool, I've heard this before, they were secured on the bed frame by ropes, and when you pulled the ropes, the mattress tightened and made the bed firmer to sleep on. And that is where the phrase comes, good night, sleep tight. Cool. Uh, It was the accepted practice in Babylon 4,000 years ago, that for a month after the wedding, the bride's father would supply his son-in-law with all the mead he could drink. Mead is a honey beer. And because their calendar was lunar-based, that period of time was called the honey month, which we know today as the honeymoon. Ah! How about that? And one final fact. This one's absolutely true. Since 1966, England fans have said they're going to win the cup at the start of every football competition. Hence the phrase, diluted twat. (laughs) Yes, there you go. (laughs) Unbelievable. All right. You know what? Before I get into Bambi tonight, I saw this just before I went on the air, and I wanted to share it with you because this is absolutely amazing, and it's related to Bambi. Check this video out. The link is not in our show notes, but take a look at this from uh, WBFF Fox 45. Uh, Kevin Miles captured video of two albino deer in his backyard. Perfect video to go into our book, Bambi, tonight. Look at that. There's a a, a regular non-albino deer, and these two deer, not not just one, two albino deer. That is amazing. I wonder if that's the mother. Could be, because she looks a little bit bigger than the, uh, the other two. That's incredible not one but two albino deer wow insane that is so cool all right let's uh wait 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 no 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 go back go back go back 
Okay, hang on. I just got some technical stuff going on here. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, let me just dump this. I, I'm coordinating, okay? So give me a give me a half a minute. Uh, I'll get it. I'll get it. All right, it's uh, time for our book. We are reading, of course, Bambi. And uh, this is the original. It was written in German, translated to English, written by Felix Salton. And... Uh, and, of course, turned into an amazing animated film back in 1942 by Disney. That's been re-released 10 or 15 times over the years. Uh, last time, I think, was in the 60s, which is when I saw it. Um, but this book has followed along pretty closely to the, uh, to the original, to the film. Uh, the film, rather, follows the book rather closely. So, when we last left, Gobo, of course, had no fear. He would run right out in the field in the middle of the day because he thought he would not do anything to harm him. And so he stood out in the open meadow and looked around. Well, he was trying to find the alder. And now he seems to have found it. And now he seems to have glimpsed him. And then the thunder crack sounded. And that's where we left off in our last stream. Here we go. The sound threw Gobo into the air. He suddenly turned round, leaping as fast as he could, and flew back into the thicket. When he arrived, they were still standing there, unable to move because of their horror. They heard the whistling of his breath, he did not stop, but hurled himself forward in unthinking leaps. They turned to him, surrounded him, and gave themselves up to full flight. But very soon, Gobo collapsed. Morena immediately stood still close beside him. Bambi and Feline were a little further away, ready to flee at any time. Gobo's flank had been torn open, and he lay there with his bloody innards protruding. He made a dull movement of turning and raising his head. Morena, he said with some effort. Morena, he, he didn't recognize me. His voice broke off. From the bushes between them and the meadow, there came an uproarious noise, showing no thought of any need to be careful. Marina lowered her head down to Gobo. He's coming, she whispered urgently. Gobo, he's coming. Can you stand up and come with me? Gobo, once again, weakly, turned his head and raised it. His legs twitched violently, but he continued to lie where he was. With a clattering and crackling and a loud rustling, the bushes divided, and he entered. Morena could see him from a short distance. She slowly crept back, disappeared behind the undergrowth, and hurried to join Bambi and Feline. She turned round once more, and there she saw him as he bent down over the fallen gobo, and took hold of him. She then heard Gobo's pitiful scream of death. Wow. All right, let's move on into chapter 21. We'll see how far we get tonight. Bambi was by himself. He went over to the water that flowed quietly between the reeds and the willows on the bank. Ever since he'd been keeping to his own company, he had come more and more often down here. There were not many paths here. He almost never came across any other deer. But that was just what he wanted, for his thoughts had become earnest and his spirit was heavy. He didn't know what was happening inside of him, and he didn't try to work it out. He merely tried to puzzle out in a confused way with no plan, and it seemed to him that his whole life had become darker. When he went to stand by the riverside, he could spend a long time there. He went to a place where the water flowed in a gentle curve and where it was possible to see a long way. 
The cool breathing of the ripples brought an unfamiliar sound, smell with it. A smell that was refreshing, but bitter. A smell that awoke a sense of being carefree and trusting. Bambi stood there and watched the ducks as they enjoyed their company. They chatted with each other without cease, friendly, serious, clever. There were a couple of mothers there, each of them surrounded by a crowd of children, who received regular instructions and who never tired of learning. Sometimes one of the mothers would give out a warning sign, and the young ducks would rush out in all directions. Without hesitation, she'd glide out as if broadcast from a sour's hand, and she'd do it in complete silence. At one moment, Bambi saw how the little ones, who still couldn't fly, would go into the thick reeds, careful, without touching any of the stalks, which, if they moved, would betray their locations. Here and there he saw their small dark bodies in among the rushes as they slowly hid themselves away. And then he saw nothing more of them. A short call from mother, and they'd all swarm around her in an instant. In this instant, her flock had gathered back together, and they began, as before, to cruise along thoughtfully. This filled Bambi with admiration every time he saw it. It was like a work of art. One time, after one of these brief alarms, he asked one of the mothers, What was all that for? I've been watching carefully, but I didn't see anything. Another time, one of the children gave the warning signal. He turned round as quick as a flash, steered his way through the rushes to the bank where Bambi was standing, and stepped up onto it. Bambi asked the little one, What happened now, then? I didn't see anything. Well, there was nothing to see, the little duck answered. Like a wise old man, he shook his feathers, carefully laid the tip of his wings down in the right place, and went back into the water. But Bambi continued to think about the ducks. He understood they were more watchful than he was. Their hearing was sharper, their eyesight better. When he stood there, the anxiety that at other times was always full was slightly relieved. And he enjoyed talking with the ducks. They didn't talk about things he heard about so often from the others. They talked about the capacious sky, about the wind and the distant fields where they'd enjoy lots of delicious food. Bambi sometimes saw something small rushing past him through the air, keeping close to the bank like a fire-colored lightning flash. Suri! shouted the kingfisher gently for himself as he sped past. A tiny whizzing dot. He glowed in blue and green and sparkled in red, lit himself up, and he was gone. Bambi was amazed. He was enchanted, and he wished he could see this remarkable stranger close up. So he called to him. Don't bother with him, the coot said up to him from the dense rushes. Don't bother with him. You'll never get an answer from him. Where are you? asked Bambi, and peered round the reeds. But the laughter of the coot came up loud and clear from a quite different place. I'm over here. He's a bad-tempered bloke, him who you were trying to talk to just now. He don't talk with anyone. There's no point in trying to call him. But he's, he's so beautiful, said Bambi. Yeah, but he's no good, coot replied again from a different place. Why do you say that? Bambi inquired. The coot answered again from a different place. He can't be bothered about anything or anyone. Don't matter what happens. He never says hello to anyone and never replies if anyone says hello to him. He never makes the alarm call when danger comes along, and he's never spoken a word to anyone. The poor, Bambi started to say. The coot continued speaking, and cheerful, cheeping voice now again came from quite a different place. I suppose he thinks we're all jealous of that couple of colors he has in his feathers, 
I suppose that's why he don't want to let anybody get a closer look at him. You're not letting me get a look at you either, Bambi suggested. The coot immediately appeared right in front of him. Well, there's nothing to look at about me, is there? came his simple reply. There he stood, slender, the water glittering on his back, his simple clothing, his elegant figure ever moving, content, and in a moment he was gone once more. I don't know how you can be wondering for so long about a little speck, his voice came from across the water. And again, from a different place, he added, it's boring to keep on a single speck, it's dangerous and all. Again, from another different place, he proclaimed loud, triumphant, and gaily, you gotta keep moving, and if you want to stay safe, get your belly full, you gotta keep moving. Bambi was startled by a gentle rustling in the grass. He looked round, and there in the bushes he glimpsed something reddish, which disappeared in the rushes. At the same time, there came a warm but sharp trembling in his breath. The fox slipped by. Bambi wanted to call to the duck and stamped on the ground as a warning. There was a rustling, and the reeds suddenly divided. The water splashed, and the duck screamed in confusion. Bambi heard the clatter of her wings and saw the whiteness of her body in the shimmering greenness. And now he saw how her wings were flapping loudly and whipped against the cheeks of the fox. And then all became quiet. Very soon afterward, the fox came up into the bushes with the duck in his jaws. Her neck hung down loosely. Her wings still moved feebly. The fox paid no attention. He looked sideways at Bambi with his bulging eyes that seemed to be jeering, and he slipped slowly away into the thick woods. Bambi stood there, motionless. Some of the older ducks had clattered up onto the bank. They flew around in confusion caused by the horror of what they'd seen. The coot sounded shrill warning cries to every side. The tits in the bush twittered excitedly. The young ducks pushed themselves into the rushes and, having become orphans, lamented with gentle tones. The kingfisher rushed by along the bank. Please, called the young ducks. Please, have you seen our mother? Shree, the kingfisher shrieked and seemed to sparkle as he rushed past. What's that to me? Bambi turned round and left. He wandered through a dense wilderness of goldenrods, passed through a group of tall beech trees, and went through ancient hazel bushes until he reached the edge of the great trench. And here he wandered round at random in the hopes of coming across the elder. It was a long time since he'd last seen him, and not since Gobo had met his end. Now he saw him in the distance, ran towards him. For a while, they walked beside each other in silence. And then the elder asked, Well, do they still talk about him? Bambi understood he meant Gobo, and answered, I don't know. I'm almost always by myself. He hesitated, but I can't stop thinking about him all the time. Ah, said the elder, are you by yourself now? Yes, said Bambi, expectantly, but the elder remained silent. They walked on, and suddenly the elder stopped. Can you hear it? Bambi listened. No, he heard nothing. Come on, the elder called as he hurried forward. Bambi followed him. The elder stopped again. Can you still not hear it? Bambi now could make out a sound that he didn't understand. It was as if twigs were being pulled down and then allowed to snap up again. At the same time, there were dull and irregular thumps on the ground. Bambi wanted to flee. Come with me, the elder called and ran in the direction of the noise. Bambi dared to ask, 
is it not dangerous there? It is, the elder replied mysteriously. It is very dangerous there. They were soon able to see the twigs were being pulled down from below and were being shaken. They saw the vigor with which they sprang back up. They came closer and noticed that it was a little path running through the middle of the bushes. Bambi's friend, the hare, lay on the ground, threw himself back and forth, fidgeted about, lay still, fidgeted some more, and each one of his movements tore at the twigs above him. Bambi became aware of a dark stripe, something like a tendril, became stiff and dropped down into the hare, where it wound itself around his neck. By now the hare must have heard that there was somebody coming. He hurled himself into the air and fell back to the ground, wanted to flee. Defeated, he rolled himself into a ball and quivered. Keep still the elder ordered him, and then in a gentle, sympathetic voice that struck at Bambi's heart, he went over close to the hare and repeated, Keep calm, my friend. It's only me. Don't move at all. Just keep very still. The hare lay motionless, flat on the ground. His breath was tense. It made a gentle sound. The elder took the twig with a peculiar tendril into his mouth, pulled it down, turned round elegantly, held it firmly against the ground under his hard hoof, and did away with it with a single blow of his crown. Then he turned to the hare. Keep still, he said, even if it hurts. With his head turned to one side, he lay one of the points of his crown against the hare's neck, and pressed it deeply into the fur behind his ears, felt around for something, and gave it a yank. The hair began to writhe. The elderly immediately moved back. Keep still, he ordered. I'm trying to save your life. And he began anew. The, hay lay, uh, the, uh, the hair lay still but quivering. Bambi watched in astonishment. He was speechless. Now the elder pushed one point of his antlers firmly into the hare's fur, trying to get it under whatever was slung around the hare's neck. He was nearly on his knees, but he twisted his head as if drilling a hole, pushed his crown deeper and deeper until finally, whatever it was, gave way and began to loosen. The hare drew breath and at the same time gave in to his fear. His pain broke loudly out from him. Eh! he wailed. The elderly stopped what he was doing. Do be quiet, he chided. Be quiet. His mouth was very close to the hare's shoulder. One of the points of his crown was between the ears, and it looked as if he'd impaled the hare. How can you be so stupid and start to cry, he gently grumbled. Do you want to get the fox to come here? Yes, well then, keep quiet. He continued to work slowly, carefully, attentively. Suddenly the sling around the hare's neck began to slip off. The hare slid out of it, and he was free before he even knew it. He made a step or two and then sat there in a daze. Then he hopped away, slowly at first, shyly, but all the time getting faster, until he ran away in wild leaps. Bambi looked at him as he went. And not a word of thanks, he said in astonishment. He still hasn't quite come back to his senses, the elder said. Whatever it was that had been around the hare's neck now lay in a circle on the ground. Bambi kicked at it lightly. It made a jangling noise, and Bambi was startled. That was the sort of noise that did not belong in the forest. Huh? Bambi asked quietly. The elder nodded. Him. They walked on calmly next to each other. You always need to be careful, said the elder. When you're walking along a path, you should always pay attention to twigs on the trees and bushes, 
Scratch your crown up and out and down, and if you even hear that jangling noise, turn right around. But if it's the time of year when you're not carrying a crown on your head, you need to be doubly careful. I stopped going along the paths a long time ago. Bambi was alarmed, wondered what the elder had meant. But, but he's not, he said to himself in bewilderment. The elder answered, no, he's not in the forest now. But, but it's him, said Bambi, shaking his head. The elder continued, his voice full of bitterness. What was it that Gobo said to you? Did he not give you a lecture about how he is almighty? How he is responsible for a lot of everything? Bambi sputtered, Is he not almighty then? He's no more almighty than he is responsible for everything, the elder complained. Bambi was disheartened, but... What about Gobo? He was good to Gobo. The elder stopped where he was. Do you really think he was, Bambi? He asked sadly. This was the first time the elder had addressed him by his name. I don't know, declared Bambi in anguish. I, I just don't understand it. The elder replied slowly. If we are to live, we need to learn and be vigilant. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right, coming up on Wednesday, we'll move on to chapter 22. Just a few more chapters in this book before we are done. So if you would like to pass along a suggestion for what classic book we read next, Feel free to do that. You can send me an email, show at jsheldon.com, or send me a PM on my Facebook page, and be happy to uh, <clears throat> to see what you have to think. If you'd like to uh, take a look at the available books, they are in the public domain, which is why we're able to read them. And uh, you'll find those on gutenberg.org, the Gutenberg Project. Great spot over there. Want to find some books yourself? All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you again on Wednesday night. Thanks so much. Be sure you follow and like and subscribe. Our main channel, rumble.com. Get a free account over there and subscribe to The Jay Sheldon Show. YouTube, Facebook, and twitch.tv. See you Wednesday. This is The Jay Sheldon Show. Good night, everybody. Ha, ha, ha.